In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I was reading that, and I saw a passage of Scripture, and I said, that's exactly what we are today. Paul said they are examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. We are examples to all that believe because we follow God and we become examples of the living Word of God as we do the Scriptures. And Paul said, They themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's exactly what we did. I have gone from church to church since I have become a Christian, since being born again in 1975, only to hear preachers preaching things that were opposite to what the Bible said. And when I heard that, every time I heard that preacher preach something opposite to Scripture, I left that church group, and I hunted another church group. The first time that happened to me was at a church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel in 1975. They were teaching tongues are of the devil. I didn't know anything about tongues. I didn't care about tongues. I just sat there and listened the professors from Dallas Theological Seminary were the teachers at that church group. They were teaching tongues were of the devil, and I was pretty much scared to death of the word tongues by their teaching, though I had never heard a tongue. One day I was reading in 1 Corinthians 14 at verse 39, I believe it is, it said, Covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Well, at the church I was attending, they were forbidding speaking with tongues. And Paul said in the Bible, forbid not to speak with tongues. So I had to make a choice. Do I stay in that church group or do I leave it and follow the Bible? I'm so happy to say that I did leave that church group immediately. I never went back to it. I followed the Bible. And then I would go to another church group and I would hear them speak something. Their pastor would speak something not in the Bible. At one church group, the pastor was speaking about the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8. He said, and when she was brought before Jesus, she was naked from the waist up. I grabbed my Bible and started reading it because I had never read that she was naked from the waist up. I looked at the other people in the church group. There were about 200 people there that night. It was a Wednesday night. I looked at their faces, and some of the men had very, very covetous, lustful looks on their faces when they heard Pastor Stasius. They were smiling, and it was terrible what I saw. But I saw no one in the group pick up a Bible to check what Pastor had said. I picked up the Bible and read it. It is not in John chapter 8. That is not in the Bible what he said. The next day I called him and I said, Pastor, I was at your church gathering last night when you said the woman brought before Jesus was naked from the waist up and I took the Bible and read it and I couldn't find that in the Bible 
and I wanted to ask you where that is in the Bible. He said, well, I just can't remember. And I said, well, it's terribly, terribly important to me. Would you please look it up and have your secretary call me and tell me where it is? He was silent for a brief moment, and then he was very angry, and he said, Well, all right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? Oh, well, the purpose was I was trying to find a place to go to church, but I wasn't going to go to a church where the pastor added things to the Bible. For I know that is wrong. I went to another non-denominational church group at that same time. Pastor was teaching the Sunday school class that morning, and he said Sarah and Hagar were half-sisters. Well, I had never read that before. So I went home and read the passages of Scripture about Sarah, Abraham's wife, and Hagar, her handmaiden, and I couldn't find anything in the Bible which said they were half-sisters. So I called that pastor the next day, and I asked him where that is in the Bible. He did the same thing the other pastor did. He said, well, I can't remember. And I asked him, I said, well, it's very important to me, so would you please look it up and have your secretary call me? and tell me where it is. He got quiet, just like the other pastor, and then he yelled at me and said, All right, it's not in the Bible. See, he was lying. He knew it wasn't in the Bible. That's what I found over and over when I tried to find a church to attend. In one Assembly of God church, I was shocked when I went in the door of their auditorium. They had a picture of that long-haired man in a long robe that some people portray as Jesus. It was hanging on the wall of their sanctuary. I was shocked. I contacted the pastor the next day and I said, there were no photographs of Jesus. That picture you have hanging there is misleading your congregation. That should not be there. That's a graven image. There are 47 verses of scripture in the Old Testament forbidding the use of graven images in the church. We worship God in spirit and in truth. One time a Baptist woman called me. Her husband had died, and she, had, uh, she called me and asked me to come over to her house and see the memorial that she had set up to Jesus on the bookcase of her husband's study. I did not do that. Because you don't set up a memorial to Jesus in the flesh where people can see it in the flesh. That's fleshly. A memorial to God is ourselves. It's living according to the Word of God. Conforming to the Word of God. Transforming ourselves by the Scriptures. Being recreated inwardly by God by doing the scriptures. You can't see what I am inside with your natural eye, 
but you can see what I am inside by those things that I do and the things I don't do and the things I say, which show you the real God. They turn from idols, Paul said, to serve the real God. In the subject of idols in the Old Testament, we have the creating of the golden calf, which Aaron built while Moses was with God up on the mountain. We also have the examples of Jeroboam, who was king of Israel. He built two golden calves for the people to worship, to put in the worship area. Today, they call themselves reverend. That's not in the Bible to do that. In fact, in the Bible, the only time the word reverend is used is it says holy and reverend is his name, God's name. But man calls himself reverend today. He goes to seminaries. He graduates. He is then called reverend. Or he just calls himself reverend at will. First time I ever came across this word, God had put me on radio in 1980. One of the radio audience came to me and said to me, What do we call you, Reverend? I said, Oh, no. That's the first time the subject had ever come up in my life. But I said, Oh, no, you call me Joan, just like Paul called himself Paul. Now, Paul identified the work he did in the church by saying he was an apostle teacher. That's proper. But for a man to call himself Reverend, that is to put himself on a pedestal and exalt himself above the congregation and draw praise to himself in a religious manner. That's wrong. It is not in the Bible to do that. This is one of the biggest idols in the Bible. A second enormous idol is to call crackers and grape juice the Lord's Supper. During the coronavirus, there was a story that there was one church group that even set up a drive-through communion where you could drive up in your car and be given, so to speak, communion of crackers and grape juice. That's awful. That's awful. Communion with God is not through crackers and grape juice. The Lord's Supper is not crackers and grape juice. It's the Word of God. We eat and drink the Word of God and thereby we are recreated in the image of God, in the image of Christ. That's the Lord's Supper. There are many idols in the churches today. The Catholics cross themselves. I think they're trying to bless themselves some way, but it's some superstition, because I see football players out on the football field do this, especially field goal kickers. They cross themselves before they kick their field goal. It's some type of superstition to bring them luck. But they don't always make the field goal, so why do they keep doing this? Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, says Paul. Secondly, if, if we are to cross ourselves, there would be a commandment in the New Testament telling us, cross yourself, and there is no such commandment. In the New Testament church, there's no such thing as wearing religious garments or hats or scarves to identify ourselves. That's, that's the Old Testament where they do religious garments, not the New Testament. The New Testament church, 
There is no example of that in the Bible. And Jesus even made a statement about them saying they love to wear long robes. He said they would receive the greater damnation. That's in Matthew 23. He said they surface land and sea to make one proselyte and when they make him, they make him twofold more the child of hell than themselves. Matthew 23. Read that. He said you, re- you appear religious to other people outwardly, but you're really like dead men's tombs, which look beautiful, but they hold the bones of dead men. And that's what all this is in the end time, and all these idols. In Paul's writing, he said he praised the church because they turned from idols and turned to the living God. So there were idols in his day also, but we have many idols today in the churches. They light candles, which are not in the Bible to do that in a religious context. They cross themselves. They wear different garments. They bow down before graven images to recite words or prayers. They wear around their neck crosses and medallions. We're not told to do any of this in the Bible. We are told that God looks for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit means you're not going to see it. We had a man in our church group once who went to some kind of religious meeting, came back telling us how wonderful it was how wonderful that meeting was. And finally, I woke up and said to him, what was so wonderful about it? And he said, oh, at the head table, they had three large crosses covered with flowers. That was shocking. That man is no longer communicating with us. He left us a long time ago. These are idols. These things that you can see with your natural eye that make you feel religious, stained glass windows, stuff like that, that makes you feel good, that makes you feel religious. Those are idols. Paul told us that Antichrist would come into the church before Jesus returns for the church. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. First, there would be a falling away from Scripture, and that falling away and setting up other doctrines would allow the man of sin to come into the church and be revealed. That's Antichrist in the church. And it says, He opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God Citizen the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That we would have to see before Jesus could return. It's ordained by God that that would happen. We certainly see it today. As idols are set up in the churches, and as men set themselves up to rule over Scripture and change the doctrine. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Verse 10 and 11, which Paul says is a commandment of the Lord, says, 
Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. Today they're teaching it's all right for the wife to divorce and remarry. Jesus says if the woman leaves her husband and marries another man, she shall be called an adulteress, Mark chapter 10. And if the man leaves his wife and marries another, he shall be called an adulterer, Mark chapter 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats. That's exactly what the Catholic Church does. They forbid their ministers to marry. They set up havens for homosexuals to be ministers and child abusers by this, not letting them marry. Peter was married and had multiple children. We read that in the New Testament. We know he had multiple children because he said he was an elder, and an elder had to have multiple children who displayed godliness. These doctrines of devils and seducing spirits lead these people to set up all manner of things in the churches that are not of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, In the last days, perilous times will come. They're going to come through the churches. Because what he says is, he said, they will ever be learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He says that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof from such people as this turn away. That's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. They have a form of godliness. They do things to make themselves appear to men to be godly mainly putting crosses on the outside of their churches, building buildings which look impressive. But they deny the power of the scriptures to rule over them. And when they are confronted with a scripture, such as the ones on adultery or homosexuality, that's in Romans 1, when they're confronted with these scriptures, they explain them away so that they can approve men and get big crowds to come to their churches and seem reasonable to the world. By doing these things, they seem reasonable in their religion. Paul said in the end time, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's all in Second Timothy chapter 3. Jesus said concerning the end time, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They'll come saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Christ. And because they say they are Christians, we sometimes foolishly accept them 
without considering is the Spirit of God leading them. For the Spirit of God is the thing that shows us the truth. Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I've seen so many people come to me saying they are Christians, but there's no evidence whatsoever in their life that they are hearing from God or being led by God. I see ministers do this all the time. They're always writing me from different countries or telling me of their works. They tell me, oh, I'm going to build an orphanage. I'm taking in uh, children that have no parents, and I'm going to teach them the gospel, and I'm building a home for old folks, and I'm building a school, and I'm going to all over the world to preach the gospel, and I'm going to give free Bibles at my meetings. Send me your money. I don't send my money to them. I don't have any witness from them at all that God is showing them to do these things. They don't come to me saying, God gave me the following word to tell me to do this. They don't come preaching God. They come preaching themselves and their own works. I know they're not of God. In the book of Jude, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny God while they're saying Jesus is Lord. They deny him by failing to bow down to the scriptures and do the scriptures. They show Jesus is not their Lord, though they say Jesus is Lord. Jude said that would happen in the last days. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. They show no fear of Bible or scriptures. They just change doctrines to suit themselves and to draw people to themselves, to become popular. He says, clouds, are they without water? There's one Bible teacher who's on television, and I was around her in the early days, around 1980, and I heard her teach many times, and I can't remember anything this woman ever taught, except she said one time they had a church meeting, and she baked a dish of eggplant and tried to sneak it into the dining room because she didn't want anyone to know she had baked it. And one man took a bite of it and was standing by her and he turned to her and said, Marilyn, did you bake this? What does that have to do with edifying the church? All it did was snow to show that she was deceptive. And that's the only thing I can remember her teaching. In all the times that she taught, that's the only example I can remember coming from her. See, they set themselves up in the church by their own will. And they tell us clever, funny stories. So we think, this is wonderful. 
But it's not edifying. It build, doesn't build us up. It has no power of God in it. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. They copy other persons who seem religious. I've heard Kenneth Copeland say that he was a pilot flying Kenneth Hagin's planes, and at one point he decided he could do that preaching that Hagin does. So he got Hagin's tapes and shut himself up in his garage and memorized Kenneth Hagin's tapes. This is not how you go into the ministry. You have to be called by God to go in the ministry, set in the church by Jesus as apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Ephesians 4. Secondly, you don't memorize some other preacher and preach what they preach. Instead, you hear from God and you speak what he shows you by his spirit. For in that, there is real power. The apostle Paul told us that. He said, I, I come not with cleverness of men. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But I come in the power of God. I don't want your faith to stand in the teachings of men. In Jude, they, uh, Jude says, These are murmurous complainers walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how that they told you there should be mockers, copiers, in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Be, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. They just copy people that they consider to be religious. They have a performing ability, or they make themselves into a performer. One woman told me, that her friend came to her and said, you are the most boring teacher I've ever heard. So she got a drama coach to teach her to do presentations, and she became very famous and had many followers. She has many clever sayings of humans, and she's entertaining. But it's not the Spirit of God. It's not the power of God. When there is the power of God in what we speak, that's the real minister called by God. In Acts chapter 20, Paul spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus, and he said, For this I know, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And that's what happened. And they set up their own churches. Peter warned us of false teachers. John said there are many antichrists, many antichrists. He said, little children, it's the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. All these scriptures that I've spoken to you today 
are in writing on our blog, if you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, click on Podcast on the home page, you can bring up this recording and all of these scriptures. And you can read them for yourselves and think about it. But this is the last times, and sin is rampant in the churches. Antichrist is rampant in the churches today, as various doctrines are set up that are not of the Bible, as men call themselves reverend, as they call the Lord's Supper taking crackers and grape juice when it's the Word of God, as they worship in front of crosses, as they fall down in front of graven images and recite statements. And music, in often cases, is causing them to feel very godly. But it's an emotion they're feeling. The way they're doing it, it's an emotion making them feel godly. Hymns are very valuable to us when done correctly. But when there are performances in the church, it's strictly an emotion. Many idols in the churches today Once again, our blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.